Praise the Lord. Well, we're, we're preaching uh, we're preaching on the Holy Spirit, and I know that's a hot topic. In fact, back in December, we asked people to fill out hot topic cards, like what, what are some things you want to learn? Three of the big things, one was the Holy Spirit, which we're going to speak on. Uh, we spoke on last week, this week. We'll take Mother's Day off. Then we're going to speak on about three or four Sundays after uh, Mother's Day. So we know that's a hot topic in the world and culture in different churches. Uh, we're going to speak on parenting was another one. So Mother's Day and Father's Day, we'll give you some parenting. Uh, tips. And then uh, another one was praying. Hey, how can I strengthen my prayer life? So this summer, we're going to go through a summer in Psalms. And a lot of Psalms can be formulated as prayers. So if you don't know how to pray, we can pick up a Psalm and we can start praying the Psalms. And so we're, we're looking at the cards. We're, we're, we're looking at sermon series and how we can incorporate some of the hot topics in those. And the Holy Spirit is certainly a hot topic. There's a lot of um, confusion uh, with the power of the Holy Spirit, with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Is there a cessation of gifts? Are the gifts active? And all these things. And I'll, I'll start by saying this like I did last week. There's a lot of gray area and there's a lot of grace area. There's a lot of area that we're going to walk between, but then there's a lot of order. And just to recap last week, in case you weren't here, we talked about several things. My job as a pastor is to lead, feed, and protect, okay? So we want to make sure in all things that we do corporately in Western civilization, our communal gathering, generally speaking, is on a Sunday morning, all right? So you're here on a Sunday morning. It's my job to lead, feed, and protect you, and that's what I aim to do, okay? Uh, so the other thing that we talked about last week then would be, and by the way, there's other gifts. There's apostles, there's prophets, there's there's evangelists, there's pastors and teachers. Pastors and teachers kind of go together. Evangelists have, you know, they're a different, they're a different outfit. They're going to have evangelistic services. There's going to be outreach or there's going to be different discipleship within the church. And so we're not knocking any of the other gifts. I'm just saying on a Sunday morning within our confine, okay, it's going to be more of a leading, feeding, and protecting. All right? Does that make sense? Because it's important for us to grow in our spiritual awareness and depth of Christ, and that's my goal. That's my obligation as a pastor. The last week we talked about doctrine, and we talked about uh, dogma, thank you, dogma, and we talked about division. And if what happens is doctrine is absolute truth. Those are non-negotiables. Jesus is the only way to get to heaven. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. God sent his son into the world, not that the world would perish or, or he would condemn the world, but that through him the world would have life. And so we're not going to be a church that condemns people. We're going to be a church that speaks life into people, hoping that just like us, God changes them from the inside out, right? And so do doctrine, all right? Man sin, God sent a Savior, we accept Jesus we go to heaven. And then there's dogma. That's interpretive truth. This is where there's a lot of confusion that takes place within the church world. Well, you believe that or you believe that. And there's all different kind of interpretive truths. Nothing wrong with that. Interpretive truths aren't going to probably keep you out of heaven, but they're not going to get you to heaven either. But a problem with uh, dogma is if people make dogma their doctrine, there becomes division. And that's, that's where we see in the church world today because too many people say, well, you're not this if you don't do that. 
all right? And so it becomes a, divis- a divisive standard. And so we're going to walk through uh, 1 Corinthians, the 14th chapter today. I'm going to pray first. And I want you to keep those things in mind. A lot of what Paul is talking is he's talking to the church. He's not talking to an evangelistic crusade. He's not talking to different groups of people, outreach ministers. He's talking to the church, the body of Christ. He's talking to us. And he says, hey, here's how you probably need to do some things. And I'll, I'll explain them. And some of it's going to be my interpretation, the way I see how it looks and how it plays out. But what he says is written by the power of the Holy Spirit, okay? And so we take it then as truth. We form our doctrine three ways. One, through Jesus' teaching. Two, through what the Bible says. And three, we go back to the creed, all right? The creed, now creed is man-written, but it's the Apostles' Creed. The Apostles actually started writing the creed by their actions. In fact, we learned that in... uh, Acts, the second chapter, where they would go from house to house breaking bread and listening to the apostles' teaching, all right? So let's pray, and then we're going to literally go through verse by verse, uh, First uh, Corinthians 14, and we'll break, and we got some slides to paraphrase, and I'm hoping to get through it all today, like I did the first service, so that we can then jump into the gifts of the Spirit after Mother's Day. Pray with me. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for uh, Grace Church. Thank you for the wonderful people here, Lord, the beautiful people that you have allowed us to help lead, Lord, and we thank you that you are the good and great shepherd. So bless each person here. Open our hearts to hear our mindset, Lord, our, our thought idea. Father, Lord, as we as we navigate through this, Lord, that we can always give you glory, honor, praise, and thanksgiving. In Jesus' name we pray, and the church said, amen. So uh, I'll say this a couple times in uh, these messages. There's some things we may have to put the reset button on. Uh, we may have to we may have to reset our mind thinking. We have, may have to reset our heart thinking. Uh, a lot of times we've we've seen things and it's like I you know I'm not am I supposed to act that way? Am I not supposed to act that way? Is it okay to act that way? Is it what how am I supposed to do it? If they're acting that way, am I am I less spiritual? Listen again, gray area grace area, we're going to talk about the meat, all right? We're going to talk the, the, middle, the middle ground. And so the scripture says, pursue love. Now, we should probably stay there for the next three weeks and just talk about that. Because in the world today, there's very little love, okay? And that word love there is agape. It's unconditional. And we're taught in scriptures that anything that we pursue is good, but if we're going to pursue it, we also need to give it. Like, I want grace and mercy, but man, sometimes it's hard to give it out, right? I want love. I want unconditional love, but I don't always want to love unconditionally. And we're built on conditional love from an early childhood. You know, if we eat all of our green vegetables, we do all that right, we take our nap, then we get a reward afterwards. So we're built conditionally on love. That's all we know. And it's a good training cycle, but it's horrible in the church world because it's got to be unconditional. And then unconditional, if we're pursuing it, then we understand that we find it. But if we find it, we we have to give it. And then Paul says, and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Now, again, sometimes people confuse this. We're looking from a pastor's standpoint. I'm not looking at an apostle standpoint. I'm not looking at an evangelist standpoint. You're not looking at a person that wants to come in and be the only person to prophesy. I'm not a prophet. 
but we all are prophets. In other words, when we prophesy, it means to encourage. It means to build up. It means to lift up. It means to add value to somebody's life. And so in the scriptures, we should be people that build each other up in the unity of their faith, Ephesians, the fourth chapter, right? We should be people that speak life into. And Solomon said in Proverbs that there's power of death and life in the tongue, and those that live by it will gain the fruit thereof. In other words, if I keep speaking death into uh, different people in my life, if I keep speaking death into family members or, or loved ones, if I keep speaking death into the church, then the church is going to die. But if I keep speaking life into people, if I keep building people up in the unity of the faith, if I, if I keep saying, you can do it, Harrison, your hair looks so good today, man, I love it. You're awesome. Look at that. Boom. Perfect haircut. We speak life into each other. You see what I'm saying? And it, listen, it takes as much energy to speak life into somebody as it does death into somebody. So Paul's saying, hey, desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you might prophesy. Verse number two says, for one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries of the spirit. Now, I will say this as a church, we don't believe in the cessation of the spirit. We believe that tongues are still available today for the church body, okay? But... We also believe that things should be done decently and in order so that there's no confusion. So we're, we're looking at both sides. Again, remember, gray area, grace area. Some people say, Pastor, you're not hardcore enough. You're not spiritual enough for me. I'm sorry. Maybe I'm just more mature than you are. I didn't say that, did I? <laughs> Sometimes I think things and it just comes out. Uh, so, <laughs> so we'll, we'll talk more about that, okay? Uh, so, yes, we believe that you can speak in tongues, all right? We believe that it's, it is a manifestation of evidence of having the Holy Spirit. But, again, I'll go into some interpretive areas. You can, I believe, have the Holy Spirit not speaking in tongues. That's the, evidence, that's the evidence of the physical manifestation. But there are many people that, are, that don't speak in tongues but are full of the Holy Spirit because they have all kind of wisdom. They have all kind of knowledge. They have all kind of understanding. They have all kind of fear of God. And I've seen people that were speaking in tongues and got up just as crooked as they were when they went down. And that brings harm to the gospel. Brings harm to people who don't know, and that brings confusion. And, and let's go to verse 33 for just a second, Jason, then we'll come back. For God is not a God of confusion, but a God of peace. And let's go to verse 40 for a second, and we'll come back. And, and he says, but all things should be done decently and in order. All in the same chapter. All in the same. I don't know about you. But uh, being born, born and raised Roman Catholic and then going to a full-on, I mean full-on Pentecostal church, all right, there was times I would invite people to church and pray to God, sister so-and-so didn't go off. <laughs> Dear God. Like I, I, I spent more time that week praying that the sister wouldn't be moved in the Holy Spirit than praying that my loved ones would, would, get, would get a touch from God. That's wrong. I mean, I shouldn't have, you shouldn't have that fear. You should be able to come into church and have a comfortable surrounding and say, man, I felt the presence of God in that place today. I felt the peace of Jesus Christ. Now let's go back to whatever verse we were on. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to God, all right? For no one understands him, but he understands mysteries in the Spirit. Let's go to verse 3. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. Paul uses the term upbuilding or building up the church or encouraging the church or encouraging the body about five times in this chapter, and most of them early on. 
He want, his goal is, and he's speaking to the church, he's, he's speaking to Corinthians as a pastor. He's saying, Here, here's what we need to do where speaking in tongues might build you up, and it's really good in your prayer time. It's really good in your private time. It's really good in an evangelistical setting. Maybe it's an outreach ministry. But in the church world, it's better that we prophesy to each other. It's better that we start speaking life into each other. Man, I believe you can do it. I believe you can do all things through Christ. Man, it's going to be all right. You're going to have a good week. You're going to have a blessed week. It's going to be a good week. And we start to speak life into people because that's the form of prophecy that Paul is actually asking us to do because the Corinthian church at this point in time was kind of a wreck. It was a mess. There were people getting baptized with the Holy Spirit. Women were invited into the service. We'll talk about that more in a minute. And that people were running around the church prophesying and praying for people. And it was all good in and of itself, but there was no order. And God is a God of order. God speaks things into order, into existence. And so he's saying, listen, it's good. It's good that you speak in tongues. It's good that you're filled with the Holy Spirit. But it's better if when you're in a public setting that you prophesy to each other with words that are intelligible, words that can be understood. Let's go on to the next, verse 4. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself. But the one who prophesies builds up the church. Again, he's talking about building up the church, the body of Christ, each other. And so I might be in my individual prayer time, and I might be wailing for the Lord, and and God is filling me up. And by the way, you don't just get filled with the Holy Spirit one time. You continually to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So I'll explain. When you got saved, if you're not saved, we, we could just pray a prayer with you and believe that God, uh, if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you're saved, all right? Like I got I to gotta thank Jesus for what he did for me, repent of my sins, and ask the Lord into my heart, I'm saved. Now, the Spirit of God just came into my life. The same Spirit, Paul said, that rose Christ from the dead now lives within me. But there are subsequent to that, after salvation, I can be baptized in the Holy Spirit. This is what has brought conflict to the church. This is what has brought confusion to the church because we've made a dogma, a doctrine, and it brings division. We brought an interpretive truth in, all right, and we've said, listen, if you're to be filled with the Holy Spirit, this is how you should be filled, or this is the only way you can get the Holy Spirit, or this is, and we're, we then start limiting God into a box. God, you can only move this way in our church, and I'm open for God to move however he wants to move, all right? And through the power of Scripture, Paul, by the power of the Holy Spirit, gives us some authority in that. And so if you're praying in your prayer language, you're praying in your prayer time, you're praying, you're being filled with the Holy Spirit continually, praise God. In the church setting, Paul, not Mark, so if you get mad, anybody get mad at Paul at this message? That Paul, man alive, he makes me mad. All right, well, then you at least I'm not not the bad guy. (laughs) And so Paul says... But you, but you prophesy, you're building up the church. In other words, wouldn't it be cool if on a Sunday morning, and Grace Church is really good about this, but wouldn't it be cool on a Sunday morning if everybody was coming in and just speaking life to each other? I mean, just building each other up in the unity. Man, isn't it a beautiful, it's a beautiful day. Man, you look good. Man, you look awesome. And you can't, you just can't out compliment. But you start throwing scriptures in there and God just becomes so glorified because we're all his children. Let's go to verse number five. Now, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more, I want you to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues. Now, that's Paul. That's not Mark. Paul's saying that. 
all right? Unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. And we'll talk about uh, tongues and interpretation in just a moment. But what he's saying is, yes, speak in tongues. It's a good thing. But it's better if you prophesy. Why? Because there's a certain mindset there that allows us to know what people are saying, okay? And how people are, are behaving and how people are working through this thing. Verse number six. Now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will, I be- how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or uh, prophecy or teaching? Let's move on to seven. If even lifeless instruments, uh, such as the flute, harp, do not give distinct notes, but how will anyone know what is played? We're going to go to gen- verse nine now for a second. Eight's the same thing. We're not taking anything out of context. So with yourselves, if you... If with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking into the air, okay? So again, he's not saying tongues is bad. And I'm not saying that either. I'm saying it's very good, but it's for the person. It's for the individual. Prophecy is for corporate, all right? It's for all the church. Now, I'm speaking as a pastor to Grace Church. Our people who come to this church week in and week out, and they love Grace Church, I'm looking out for you. I'm saying it's better if you prophesy to someone than maybe have an emotional experience and during worship start speaking out in tongues where the people around you might not know what's going on all right does that make sense now again that's going to make some people mad well you're you're trying to control my tongue i'm not trying to control your tongue i'm trying to give you what the holy spirit gave paul for the church world because if the church doesn't succeed in life nothing else does churches are built in communities and churches thrive in communities and people become part of the church in a community and the community does better because there's a good local healthy church in that community And this would be different if it was an evangelistic event. Maybe it's a believer's meeting on a Friday night or a Sunday night. And we say, hey, we're going to have a a spiritual uh, meeting. We're going to have you come, and and there's going to be healing and miracles and all those things. Well, can't that happen on a Sunday morning, Pastor? It can. But Paul says in the same chapter, if what's taking place doesn't draw people in, then it's not the Holy Spirit. And again, I go back to some of the services that I've attended where I almost prayed that Sister So-and-so didn't go off because I knew it was going to mess up some people that I was trying to bring and went to the Lord. We have to bring people in and get them indoctrinated into Christianity before we can throw all the Holy Spirit at them. Make sense? Well, some of you are mad. That's okay. You love me anyways, right? Okay. Let's move on. Uh, Well, uh, yeah, okay. There are doubtless many different languages in the world, and none is without meaning. Let's move on to 11 and then 12. But if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker and the speaker a foreigner to me. Paul, again, is telling the people in Corinth, all right, listen, it's good that you speak in tongues. In fact, Paul in this chapter says, I probably speak in tongues more than you all. But it's good for me. It's not good for the church. It's not good for the body. It's not good for the uplifting of the spirit, of the soul. And so he's just saying, let's do things with an order. Let's do things that are, are make it more welcoming for those that maybe, well, I don't, I don't believe that you can speak in tongues. Okay, again, gray area, interpretive truth. I believe you can. Versus grace area, right? If you're, if you're 
if you're a Christ lover, if you're a Christ follower, we're on middle ground together. There's some things that you might do that I can't do. There's some things that I might think that you can't think, but we're going to move together because John 17, Jesus says, Father, that my people would all get along so that you would be glorified in heaven. So it's important that we all walk in unity, amen? The psalmist said where there's unity, God commands the blessing, even life evermore. Do we have verse 12? If not, okay. So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. In other words, it's great, man. I want everything God has for me. I want, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to operate in all the spiritual gifts and all the manifestations. I want those things. But more than even that, I want what's best for the church. So this is what we're teaching today out of 1 Corinthians 14. What is best for the church? Now, I think we have three different slides we're going to talk about. It just paraphrases the scriptures rather than read them all. So there, Paul says, therefore, when you pray in the Spirit, you need to make sure that there's an interpreter, all right? Pray to interpret. In other words, I want, I want God, I want your sound mind in my, in my life. So I'm going to pray to interpret. And then he says this, think about the other person. Like, I might be baptized with the power of the Holy Spirit, tongue talker, lay hands on people, they fall out in the Spirit, all those great and wonderful things that take place. And by the way, if, you're, if you didn't hear last week's message, we talked about falling out of the Spirit. Please don't say slain in the Spirit anymore. Only two people were slain in the Spirit. There's Ananias and Sapphira. They died and never got back up. If you fall in the Spirit, we want you to get back up. That was a joke, but that's okay. <laughs> not a good one. Also, more, than, more times than not, uh, falling out in the Spirit is just an emotional response. It, it, you know, like the power of God came over. It may be, I'm not going to say it didn't, but if the power of God comes in a building, chances are nobody's going to be standing. So it's probably an emotional response. Not, that's not bad. It's just we, we, we sometimes we say things that the Holy Spirit are involved in, and it's not really the Holy Spirit as much as it is just an emotional overwhelmingness that, ta that takes place in our life. So he says, think about the other person. How's the other person going to act? Now, you'll say, and I'll have a, a reason for it, you'll say, yeah, but the Spirit made me do it, Pastor. All right, we're going to get to that in a moment, and I'll show you in the Scripture where you, you have some say-so in that. In church, here's what he says, speak with your mind. Oh, what do you mean? I, I, we should have a Holy Spirit-filled service. I need to be able to speak out in tongues and, and, and really exalt God and glorify Him. All right, Paul, under the unction of the Holy Spirit, is saying, so that the church would be built up, it's better that you speak with your mind, and it's better that you speak in, in your prayer language in your, in your prayer time. There may be, and he says this in this chapter, there may be a time where uh, someone says, maybe the worship leader says, hey, praise God uh, in, your, in, in, if, in any kind of like your spirit language or your physical language, praise God. Or the pastor might say, hey, let's pray in our prayer language or in our physical language. There, there's times where that will take place, but for the most part, he's saying, in church, speak with your mind. And then he calls it maturity versus infancy, where the person who probably is more seasoned, more mature, 
they actually know how to act. And they're saying, well, this person, maybe, maybe they're coming from a denomination that doesn't believe in the gifts of the Spirit. It would be better for me not to, uh, not to be so exuberant in my worship time or so exuberant in my prayer time to where it scares these folks off or, or makes them not understand who God is. It becomes, there's a sense of maturity there. And infant, not that these people are infant by any stretch of imagination, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying in spiritual things, if you're praying for them, then Paul is telling us, I need to, I need to exercise maturity and maybe not do that around these folks until they come in a little bit more. But in my prayer time, in my prayer closet, when I'm mowing the grass, man, and the Lord gets a hold of me, it's a whole different world out there because people aren't looking at me corporately. Does that make sense to you? Do you hear what I'm saying? In a corporate, we're talking about the church setting. In the church setting, we really need to understand what does it look like, what, what, do, what does the other person think about my actions, okay? And, and then how do we look to those that don't know? And I go back to that, that statement that I said when I, I'd pray that, you know, Sister So-and-So just didn't go off so that, uh, that my friends could hear the gospel presentation because that was the important part. And I think sometimes, have you ever gone to a, a buffet? Uh, and sometimes, you know, when I go to a buffet, which isn't very often, I always walk by the dessert line first. And I want to see if it's good enough, I cut back on the real stuff so I can get to that dessert. Like, if it's not very good, then I'll load up on the meat and potatoes and all that other good stuff. Uh, but if the desserts look really good, I, I hold back. They're, they're like, there's some room there for me, okay? Well, this, this, would, this would be a really poor analogy, but this would be an analogy with the Holy Spirit. Is okay, allow those people that maybe don't know, allow them to get the meat and potatoes before you jump to the dessert so that we can understand and grow together as one. Amen? All right, next, next screen, then we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the order of service. People say, why do we do what we do? Well, Paul says it in 1 Corinthians, the 14th chapter, and the, the verses, I don't have the verses up there, but if you read that, you'll see, he says this, when you come together, when you come in a church setting, the, have him. Now, we would call that praise and worship today. Again, everything becomes cultural, and so we open with praise and worship, and, and, and the sound works and sounds good, and then sometimes we have to reset it, or like Janie said, sometimes the lights don't work, that's just all cultural. But we're going to worship, we're going to praise God, we're going to sing a hymn no matter what. Right? Whether the sound works or not, we're singing a hymn. And whether it's a song that we like or not, we're going to sing because it's the right thing to do. It's the scriptural thing to do. That's how we have an order for service. And then there's going to be a lesson. There's going to be preaching and there's going to be teaching. Now, it may be good, it may not be good. All right? there's, it may be a swing and a miss, it might be a home run, I'm not sure. But there's going to be preaching and teaching from this pulpit. Why? Because uh, some people have said, well, I just pray the Holy Spirit takes over and there's no preaching. Why? <laughs> Why would you not want the Word of God in your life? Why would you not want to be built up in the unity of the faith? Why would you not want to be encouraged to make it through one more week? Some people are, are just literally living week to week so they can be encouraged in God. I want the Holy Spirit to take over, but I told one person when he said that, I'm still going to preach. I don't care if the Holy Spirit takes over three hours. I'm just, okay, let's open your Bibles. I'm still going to preach. I ain't saving that one for next week. God will give me something else. That's for this week. I'm still going to preach. 
But so then there's preaching, and then there's teaching, and then there's revelation. That would be inspiration and action. In other words, hopefully, uh, if not every Sunday, but at least on some Sundays, that you get revelation on how the word applies to you. And you take that with you. And you go, and hey, pastor said I need to be happy this week. Or the word of God says that I need to encourage other people this week. Or the Bible says I need to pray for people this week. Or go walk my neighborhood and just ask people if they know Jesus. Or ask if there's anything I can pray with. Or maybe take some food to people. Whatever it looks like, there becomes a revelation. And that revelation is going to be true within each and all of us, okay? We have some friends that used to go to this church. They moved out of area. And their names were, were Eric and Kim. And, and one day I was preaching, and afterwards I said, Pastor, there was a spot on. I said, thank you, guys. And how'd you know? I said, how'd I know what? How'd, how'd you know we were talking about getting married? I said, I didn't know you were talking about getting married. He said, well, you said from the pulpit, Eric and Kim, it's okay. Go ahead and get married. I said, I did not. I didn't say that at all. I asked a couple of people standing by, did you hear that? No. It was just revelation to them. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will come in and reveal things to us just because the presence of God is there. I'll have people that will come and say, hey, Pastor, remember when you said that? And if it's good, even if I didn't say it, I'll say, yeah. <laughs> I, I, do, I do remember that. I do. I mean, you call me T.D. Jakes for a day or two, that's okay. Yeah, that was a good word, wasn't it? That was a great word. Yeah, praise God. <laughs> but it was revelation to them, okay? I try not to do that too often, but uh, sometimes I do sneak one in there and say, yeah, I do remember that. I don't remember a bit. It's re- and then, then Paul said, then there, there could be a turn in interpretation, but that's more of a spiritual awakening that takes place within a service, within, within the culture. All right, so here's an order for service. Now, let's go to the meat of this message, and I don't want to mess anybody up or freak anybody out, but there's qualifications of tongues. Like if there's a tongue interpretation or if there's someone speaking out in tongues on a Sunday morning, we, we may have someone go minister to them and say, hey, let's, let's see what's going on in that, in that person's life. Are they, are they just being overwhelmed by God? Are they, are they, are they having an issue that, that they need some prayer to talk about? Because Paul writes out an order. If, there, if there's an order, if someone speaks out, then they should only speak out two or three. All right? Unless, again, the worship leader, the pastor says, hey, let's all pray in our prayer language if you have your prayer language. And that would be more of an evangelistic meeting. But if, you're, if, you're, if someone's speaking out in tongues so that the service doesn't get spiritually hijacked, which happens on occasion, there's got to be order. And Paul says that, okay? And so because there's order, then we know, well, wait a second, someone's speaking out in tongues. That, that's a good thing. But the person who speaks out in tongues needs to make sure that there's an interpreter. Otherwise, they should, not, they should remain quiet. So, but if there, there's an interpreter, like there was a, a person a one time here in this church that uh, near the end of service spoke out in tongues. And so I, I was automatically cautious and, and aware because I didn't know this person. We had been here for a few years, and I'd never seen this person before. And person didn't wait, and they started interpreting right away, and I grabbed the mic and said, wait, we're not going to do that. And they looked at me kind of cross-eyed, and, and I said, uh, the problem is we don't know you. <laughs> and so if you're going to speak to this church that I'm in charge of, you need to bring that word to me so that I can okay it. And they were like, What? So I had a lady come up not too long after that, and she said, Pastor, I got a word for the church. I said, great, what is it? And she looked at me like, it's for the church. I said, well, um, 
I'm the spiritual lead of this church at this point in time. I want to hear that word before you deliver it to, to this church. All right? And so she gave me the word, and it was kind of a rebuke. Now, I believe, again, most, most words should be encouraging, should be life-giving. I believe there might be challenges or there might be some rebuke. It's going to probably come from me from this pulpit, all right, through the word of God. So it's not going to just be me having a rant, although I've ranted before. Forgive me. Uh, we're, remember, we're reset. We're trying to do things over. Uh, so I'm trying not to rant. So uh, I said, what's your word? And she wasn't going to tell me. I first said, that's okay. Just go sit down. Well, I'll give it to you. So she gave me the word. And I said, well, yeah, I, I believe that's for God. Okay, good. When can I give it? You ain't giving it. That's probably for you. Oh, she got mad at me because it was rebuke. She thought it was rebuke to the church. I said, no, I think that rebuke is for you, man. She got mad. She got offended. She ended up leaving the church after a while. And you know what? She's the worst off for it, not me. Because she wouldn't take, she wouldn't take uh, discipleship. She wouldn't take maturity at that point in time. And so I want you to know, if you speak out in tongues, if you're a member of our church, you need to make sure that there's an interpreter in the building, and, the building and, the, and that interpreter at first cannot be you unless you come up and get authorized. Wow, you're a control freak. No, I'm not. If I am, Paul was. My goal is to build up the unity of the church. My goal is not a free-for-all where people can use the Holy Spirit by voice and to hold hostage a church and say, oh, the Spirit made me do it. I'll show you in a minute that that's not the case and that's not how we're going to act. All right, so then, then, Paul says, in fact, if you want to speak out and you want to be an interpreter, you need to be silent and prefer the other person first. I was in a, a large church in Omaha, Nebraska. We knew the pastor not really well at all at the time. We've known him well since and actually brought him down here to preach a couple times for us. It was a Sunday night service. Jeannie and I had just left her mother and father's church, and we were going to different church services and just trying to see what God had for us. Uh, she had been in that church for 34 years. I had been in the church for 18 years or so. And uh, uh, there was a tongue uh, that was spoken out on the Sunday night service, and instantly I got the interpretation. It's like, man, okay. And I'll be honest with you, I was a little, I was a little petrified. You know, nobody knows me. I, I knew the scripture well enough to think I, I, I probably shouldn't uh, speak out. Lord, what should I do? I'm, I'm just waiting on God. And somebody else gives the interpretation and it's completely different than what I have. And I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Dodged the bullet on that one. Praise God. And uh, the pastor gets up and says, that's a wrong interpretation. Here's what God's saying. And it was my interpretation exactly. I felt like God was really just showing me. First of all, I tried to be right. I tried to be silent, like Paul says. I tried to be in order. I tried to prefer. And then, and then the pastor came up and, and made things right. And so, listen, that shows maturity and restraint to not go off and blame the Holy Spirit for emotional things that we have, but to do things decently and in order. Does that, does that make sense? We're not, listen, we're not holding or quenching the Spirit by doing things like Paul says here to bring order to the church so that people can come in and learn who God is on their own wavelength, right? On their own, on their own, on their own basis. And then, and then, and we've done this too, I, I, I do this a lot, uh, then we judge, and so someone would speak in tongues, and there'd be an interpretation, and I would grab someone near me that I know uh, is a mature, a believer, someone that I know is uh, deacon material or elder material or on our staff, and I would say, hey, what do you think about that? 
And I did it especially early on uh, because I didn't know everybody. And somebody, I would know someone that comes to church, there'd be a tongue, there'd be interpretation. I would, I'd grab three or four people and I'd say, what do you think about that? And sometimes, it, most times it was good and sometimes it would be bad. And I would say, the church confirms that word or I would say the church denies that word. We have the right to then judge someone. See, what happens in some realms, inspirational realms or emotional realms, is people will blame things on God. Hey, God told me. But they also have a personal agenda. Or God says this. Or you can't, you can't quench the Holy Spirit. I'm not quenching the Holy Spirit. I'm trying to mature that person. And so Paul says, go ahead and judge it. Weigh in. See, see, see what happens. It, it's, it's good. It's important that you judge that. Why? Because if you were to come into my house when our kids were growing up and tried to correct my kids, you'd have to go through me or my wife to do that. Does that make sense? We're not, we're not going to let you just correct, correct our kids or, or spank them or send them in a corner. or, or say, we're not gonna, That's not going to happen. All right? So that same thing within church, if someone is filled with the Holy Spirit, praise God, we want you to exercise your gift. Paul even says to seek those gifts, but he says even more so go ahead and prophesy because prophesy means you're building people up. I've seen, I've seen people uh, give a, a spiritual gifts in tongue and then, you know, 15 minutes later, they're gossiping about that same people that they were. I was like, that's not, no, that's wrong. That's not right. You're not building up the church by gossiping about people then. We've got to build up each other in the unity of the faith. Amen? All right, so let's, I think we're going to go to verse 31, and then we'll, we'll close. We'll be done in probably, is it, can I have about eight more minutes or so? And then we'll close, because then after Mother's Day, then I'll start talking about the gifts. For you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and be encouraged. Again, built up, lifted up, verse 32 uh, and the spirits of prophets, and that word and there could be but, okay? But the spirits of prophets are subject to the prophets. Here, here's what Paul is saying to the person who says, I just can't control myself. The Holy Spirit's bubbling over and, and almost kind of taking the service captive or hostage is what you're saying is your spirit is better and stronger than the person who's prayed all week for the message, or the person who's prayed all week for the worship. And all of a sudden, you're... So Paul is saying that person's not as mature as the one who says, hey, I might have something here, but I'm going to leave it to my, to my prayer time. That when the Spirit bubbles up over you, you actually, as the prophet, you, you can subject that Spirit to you. And we've, we've said wrongly over the years, well, you're quenching the Spirit. No, you're not. You're maturing people. In maturing people to make them the dynamo that God has for them, we can't allow others to be so afraid of a move of God because they don't understand it, that they, that the one, they don't want to move at all because they, they, they don't get it, to where someone says, well, you know, this, yeah, this is, I can move in this, but at the same time, I need, Paul says, I need to know those around me. Is this going to mess up a few people? Maybe I should just wait and exuberate in this into my, in my prayer time. The, pro, the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophet. We've in the church world made the prophet subject to the spirit, and that gives people an out. Well, I can act like this because I'm spirit-filled. That's not necessarily scriptural, and it's not biblical. What's biblical is that spirit is subject to you. See, we, again, hit the reset. We've been, sometimes we've been trained wrong, 
And so some people who are less mature than others maybe go off and blame things in the Holy Spirit, which isn't, that's not true, and it's not good, and it's not healthy for the church. I told you last week in the first service, I don't think I said in the second service, Marcus hated green beans growing up. He'd make himself throw up. Just like, he'd like that. Probably still hates green beans. Love them with brown sugar. Brown sugar is a cure-all. But, but he, it, was a, it was an event at the dinner table. Janie's a good cook, and she put those green beans. Like, eat three green beans, but it's not that difficult. You're 22. He informed me he was actually seven at the time when he was having a hard time putting the green beans down. But Janie would find a way to, you know, bacon grease or bacon or brown sugar. Something's going to make those. He's going to eat those green beans. But she was aware of, and we have to be aware of as, as a church body that, listen, we can be spirit-filled in interpretive truth, all right, dogma, but once we start to make that a doctrine, it's going to divide people. And we have to be aware of what's turning people away versus what's drawing people in. The love of Jesus will draw people in. So will the Holy Spirit. You're full of the Holy Spirit. But at the same time, there's a time and a place. Let's, we're going to kind of run through now. For God is not a God of confusion, but a God of peace. In other words, he doesn't bring confusion in. He's not the author. King James says author of confusion, as in all the churches of the saints. Verse 34, the women, the women should keep silent in the churches. <laughs> Sit down and shut up, for they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission, as the law also says, every man says, amen. That's, that's, that's not right. You know, I'll take a minute. We have a few minutes. Let me take a All right, so what's happening here, and people will get, like, bent on this. Yeah, but you, you allow a woman on your platform? Yes, I do. I allow women to preach? Yes, I do. Well, how could that be? Because Paul said, well, the Corinthian church, full of the Holy Spirit, was also a newer church. And be, being a newer church, for thousands of years, women had worshipped on another platform, like a, a, another level of the church and upstairs. Men were worshiping in the main floor, and when they went home, the women would say, hey, what happened today in church? Or what happened in a modernizing technology? What happened in the temple, whatever? What happened today in church? What, what was preached on? So on and so forth. So now women are incorporated into the church setting, and Paul is, is saying here that because they want to know what's going on, because they've not been privy to that information for so long live, okay, that they're asking their husbands right there. And Paul's saying, hey, nothing can get done right here so let's time out for a second and let's just have the women sit down and then let's go to verse number 35 I'll tell you the rest of it if there's anything they desire to learn let them ask their husbands at home for it's shameful for a woman to speak in church that word shameful is a bad English term it's just what he's saying is it's wrong for women to speak in church not just picking on women but the women were asking so many questions because they didn't know what was going on that the service couldn't go on as planned that then the, uh, they, he, Paul is saying, just 
tell them to be quiet, and if they have a question, go home and work it out. Because, listen, Deborah was a judge for four decades, all right? Uh, Anna prophesied over Jesus. God has always used women in the, spirit, in the spiritual realm, always. And, so, and he'll continue to use women in the spiritual realm. This is simply a cultural event because women were indoctrinated first time into the church service that they didn't want to know what was going on because they were so excited. What's happening now? He's saying, just be quiet, sit down, ask your husband so that we can move on with the service. He's not saying women shouldn't be involved in the church service. He's not saying women should sit down and shut up and be quiet and go home and talk to their husbands. He's saying as it's corporated in, all right, just be careful, listen to the whoever is preaching that day so that uh, if you have any questions, let's go home and talk about it. Be good Bible study this week. Does that understand? Make sense to you? Because there's a couple of things that people will do there. They'll avoid that scripture altogether. Dear God, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I ain't touching that one with a 10-foot pole. Or there's people that are, yeah, sit down and shut up, woman. I ain't telling you again. And I got a wife beater shirt on and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> I shouldn't say that either. Man, I'm really trying to get better. Uh, so, so let's just attack it, right? This, listen, though, this is women, men, let's be calm, let's be quiet, let's listen to the Holy Spirit, but then let's go home and talk about what was said. Verse 36, and you all be talking about this later too. For it was from you that, or, for, or was it... From you that the word of God came, or are you the only ones he has reached? So, in other words, he's saying, listen, in Ephesus and Thessalonica and different areas in the whole region, God is falling. You're not like super spiritual because these gifts are coming to you. They're coming to all the churches. You just need to know how to operate in them. Verse 37, uh, if anyone thinks that he is a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things I am writing to you are a command of God. In other words, this order, this maturity, this is a command from God. This is not, this is not Paul just speaking. This is God. This is not Mark just speaking. This is God telling us this is how we should act because if we act this way, God will be glorified and the church will grow. Verse 38 and then we'll go through 40. If anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized, okay, as a leader, a deacon. So my brothers earnestly desire to prophesy but do not forbid speaking in tongues. Again, gray area, grace area. We want people filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit and as much as God as possible. At the same time, we want you speaking life with an intelligent mind so that the church can grow. And if you're in your prayer time, you're in your quiet time, my goodness, allow God to move with you in every way he can. And then verse 40, but do all things that should be done decently and in order. Worship team, you can come on back now decently and in order. God is not a God of confusion. God is a God that says, hey, if you're going to do these things, let's, get, let's do them in order. Let's do them together. Let's do them to where we can all build each other up in the unity of faith. There's going to be, I, I, um, so I run. All right, uh, and I've been trying to up my miles. Uh, Drew runs. Drew's a, a maniac. Uh, so Drew runs like 40 miles a week. I run 40 miles a month. All right. Well, he don't laugh. <laughs> you try running 40 miles a month. It's harder than it looks. And so, see, he doesn't do what you just did. He's like, he doesn't say, oh, 40 miles a month. Whew. Why? Why are you even out there? 
He gives me encouragement. He tells me what shoes, you know, what shoes to wear. Uh, he, I, listen, by the way, sidebar, I don't, I'm, I haven't bought any new shoes this year. That's a personal, but I do have a new pair of shoes on as a special gift from someone in our church today. So sweet shoes too, by the way, very, very comfortable. So, but anyways, he, that was a sidebar. So he doesn't say you shouldn't even bother. No, he encourages me. And then he asked me, hey, did you run? What was your time? How'd you do? And so we get into some 5K races together and we do some stuff. And, and he literally is twice as fast as me. And I'm okay. Listen, if you're spirit-filled, would you stop knocking people who maybe don't understand the gifts or recognize the gifts like you do? It's, it's, it's demeaning as a Christ follower to continue to put people down. You actually are showing less maturity than they are. It's way more important that we encourage each other and build each other up. When I first started running, I, was, I could only run a half a mile. And then, then I'd be maybe a mile, then a mile and a half, then two miles. Now I'm running like three and a quarter miles. That's really cool. That is, that is the Holy Spirit. That's it. That's what I'm saying. And we have people running around. I've asked them not to run around. Stand with me where you're at. I hope you received that word today. It's, and be an encourager. Be an encourager. Be mature. Be a mature believer. But, but at the same time, get as much as God as you can. Get, get the gifts. Pray earnestly for the gifts, like Paul said. We're in Mother's Day next week, and then we'll, we'll speak about the gifts for three or four weeks after that. We invite you all to, to come back and return to see what God has in store for you. Let me pray for you. Then we're going to sing one more song. Father, we thank you so much for your body, for your people, for the ones you love. Lord, help us. Uh, let this word today even be encouraging to people. Let them be built up in faith, God. Lord, let, the, let us build up the church like you've said, Father, Lord, and help us, Lord. To, you even vet us. You judge us, Father, Lord, to make sure that every word that we speak is, is good, is, is well-tuned. It's like uh, apples of gold and settings of silver, as Solomon would say. But let, let your people be blessed this week, Father Lord, in your presence for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's worship one more time.
Come on, put your hands together one more time for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ. Amen. We love the Lord in this place. Amen. And um, I'm so excited that we have a God who speaks to us. Amen. Uh, Jesus walked on this earth and he actually told his disciples, he told us that it is better for us that he goes away because he's going to send us the Holy Spirit. And as hard as that is to believe, because I know we would love to have Jesus here in the flesh where we could talk to and ask questions. But Jesus was one person that was in one place at one time when he walked on this earth. But the Spirit of God, who is all-knowing, who is all-powerful, can be an intimate part, a friend, a best friend in your life. And so I think it's so great that God speaks to us. He did that this morning through our pastor. Amen. And he's speaking to you even now. He doesn't stop speaking to you um, at uh, 1224 on Sunday, all right? He can continue to speak to you. So as I close in prayer today, I just want to ask you to ask the Lord, what are you speaking to me? And maybe he's going to tell you something to share with or encourage someone else. And I want to encourage you to do that, to prophesy over somebody else. If, if God has given you something, you know, it might be a little nervous, you might be a little uncomfortable to do that. But I encourage you to do it. Take a step out and share with someone what God is speaking over their life today. All righty? And so let's just open up, uh, let's just close in a word of prayer and just ask God to continue speaking to us. Lord, we thank you that you care for us, that you know us. Jesus, your name even means God with us. Emmanuel. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have sent your Holy Spirit to continue to be with us and that you hear us and you continue to speak to us. So Lord, I ask that as we leave this place here today, we will take the words that you have spoken to us and that we will hide the word of God in our hearts so that we won't sin against you. Help us to be an encouragement to others, but continue to speak, Lord. Our ears are open. We are listening to you. God, and we ask that you'd give us those words of prophecy. Give us the gifts of the Spirit, Lord, as we continue to open up your word and understand what the, that means for us and for this body. Edify us, Lord, even as we uh, pray in our prayer language this week, Lord, that we will be built up in, in the most holy faith, Lord, and that you would go before us and empower us to do the will and the work that you have for us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. God bless you. We love you. Have a great week. We'll see you right here on Wednesday night. And again, next Sunday for Mother's Day. God bless you. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing today. You can give at www.gracechurch.tv give or by downloading the app and select give. We can't wait to see you next week.